Hello everyone and welcome to the escape pod. Um, if this is your first flight, I just want to welcome you. And if this, if you are returning for a second flight or a third or fourth, um, I also just want to thank you for sticking with me because, um, your support means the world. But anyway, um, I'll be your pilot, James Schramm, and I guess we can jump right into it. Um, today's theme is all about time, what it is, what it means, and how it makes up the world around us. So today we're going to be flying to the center of the Milky Way, where there is a giant black hole. Um, basically, I felt like we should go here because, well, A, um, we're going to make it out on like Interstellar, and B, time is put on display here, especially since general relativity comes into it, like in the movie Interstellar, you know, when they get trapped on the water planet. Time flows differently depending on gra the gravity you experience and how fast you go. But anyway, um, the universe has a reality that we all perceive. Um, and we call this space-time, where space makes up all of the dimensions we traverse, like for example, where we walk, where we drive, regardless of where we move, um, not just on Earth, but anywhere we go. Um, and time dictates when these, ac these actions happen. Um, but at the moment, we can only travel forward in time even if it's at different rates, you know, we only travel forward. Whereas for space, we can travel in any direction we want. Um, I guess a main goal of this flight is just to gain a better understanding of time and for you guys to formulate your own opinion on it. And I guess the main question that we're going to be looking at is for our understanding of the flow of time, um, people, I guess, really divide their beliefs into two basic options of it. It's one, time exists, or two, it doesn't. So we're going to be looking into the first option um, of time existing first. So um, does time exist? I mean, I think so. But um, there are a lot of different examples of evidence that can be used for an explanation on the proof that time exists, you know, just something as basic as our understanding of communication. See, I mean, our communication is conveyed in ideas and thoughts using different languages, whatever language that may be. And most, if not all, use different tenses to indicate a certain time an event happened, you know, past tense, future tense, present tense. Um, they're all conditions and they all convey a certain thought or idea to someone listening about when something happened. Um, and if we want to go bigger, um, just as I talked about before, you talk about our reality of space-time. It's just a space and time where time is just as essential as space is to our known reality. 
I mean, without one or without the other, then our understanding of the world around us would pretty much be incorrect and we'd have to find something new. And then if you think about like, you know, like stuff on the silver screen cinema, um, you think about Quicksilver, either in the Avengers universe or the X-Men universe, um, they both show scenes of him running so fast that the perceivable world around him seems to be at a standstill, you know, not moving. And one of the most basic formulas in physics and kinematics shows that velocity, which essentially is a vector, meaning it has a magnitude and a direction, um, shows that we need a distance divided by a time, which is also how we get the measurement for meters per second, miles per hour, and other related rates. Um, but basically, if we keep a distance to be traveled the same, with one person walking and then someone like Quicksilver traveling that same distance, we find that the velocity has been drastically increased, but not because the distance shortened, but rather not because not because the distance changed, but rather the time needed to travel that distance has decreased. This shows that, you know, the faster you move, the less time you need to travel a distance. So relatively speaking, if you're moving at supersonic speed, time would slow down to a crawl around you, while for everyone else, time would flow at the same rate. Um, and even further, another example could be our quest to find the theory of everything. Essentially, this proof is purely in our imagination at the moment, since the task we aim to achieve is, you know, it's pretty big. Basically, when exploring our world and the observable universe, we use math and science to explain lots of different uh, phenomena. For most students in school, such as myself, the math and science learned and applied are for big objects and basically anything you can think of from a bird flying to a ball being kicked to a car driving to even a planet orbiting around a star. Um, and we use different laws in science such as the law of conservation of mass, Newton's laws, uh, laws of thermodynamics, conservation of momentum, the list goes on. But essentially when objects are perceivable we can apply a theory that holds to describe its relationship with another or an interaction that it has or a cause and effect or whatever or you know even just certain properties that it holds um, however when things get small and I mean really small um, the math and the science previously used start to fall apart they don't really they don't really describe what is actually happening. You know, if you think of Ant-Man in the Avengers universe, when he shrinks down, he goes to the quantum realm, which is essentially where time stops and reality becomes something, you know, incomprehensible. Um, the term quantum was coined to describe just the small amounts of matter needed for a cause and effect to happen for mass such as elementary particles of atoms like quarks. So, basically, atoms were previously thought to be the smallest things known to man. And then we made the discovery through the gold foil experiment by Rutherford and other uh, such experiments that atoms are actually made of subparticles, 
mainly protons, neutrons, and electrons. And with the use of elementary particles, these make up the subparticles that make up the atoms that make up everything else. So we're going to need um, another theory to describe things that we can't perceive. And not just with the naked eye, but even with um, like microscopes and other high-powered tools, it's very hard to understand and pinpoint where um, certain subparticles and where elementary particles are. We know that they're kind of there, but it's sort of like how we look at electrons. We sort of look at a sort of cloud of where they could possibly be, but we don't know exactly where. Um, and moving back to the theory of everything, um, basically, if we could find an explanation using math and science to explain all interactions, regardless of how large and how small, with the four forces of the universe being strong, weak, electromagnetic, and gravitation um, included, then we could, theoretically, formulate a theory of everything um, that would explain both big things and small things. Um, I mean, there are many possible theories that have elements in them that hold, but none of them are 100% true. Because if they were, then we would have a theory, but, you know. Um, the majority of them include the use of time as a variable in different functions and equations to pinpoint when a reaction happened to explain its relativity to another and when certain results have happened. But notice how when I explained the requirements for the theory of everything, it never required time to be included. And if we find that time is not needed, then our understanding of the world around us would shift and we would have to adapt and change the majority of things in our arsenal of knowledge to explain interactions in the known universe without the use of time. And that leads to our second possibility, that time, in fact, doesn't exist and was created by clock companies to sell more clocks. I mean, this probably isn't true, but there are some elements that, you know, at least are worth being acknowledged. Um, look, it's possible that, you know, transportation companies such as like early automotive companies, ships, trains, um, they put time into a sort of mainstream fashion where we just sort of now we sort of shape our lives around a certain time, like, oh, I have to do this at 5 p.m. or something like that. Whereas before that, we sort of did it around whenever we felt like it, I guess. I mean, like before clocks, we had sundials, and before that, we just sort of observed when, where the sun was in the sky and what season it was and based our needs off of that. So for the, our modern perception of time and what we think of it, it's not all that's not how it always was and I think a large part of it was just the advancements in technology needed 
a requirement for an update on time to be able to work. Um, and look, I said, as I said before, like we don't experience time like we experience space. Since we all move at the same speed, you know, relatively speaking, then we all experience things at the same rate. Unless, you know, some of us are like the Flash or something, and if so, then just definitely hit me up. But we all experience the same seasons, and we all find that the sun rises in the same general direction and sets in the opposite direction. Same thing with the moon. We see the different phases, and we look at the moon, and it's always there in the sky. And the weather changes with the seasons, and the cycle always repeats, regardless of where you are. And way back in, what was it, the 15th or the 16th century, the Catholic Church, their thoughts on our understanding of space and all that is very different to what it was today. You know, back then, they had what was called the geocentric model, where the Earth was at the center of everything. Um, and this was accepted over the world because the Catholic Church, not saying it doesn't today, but it had a very big um, influence, you know, with empires such as like uh, the Roman Empires, the Holy Roman Empire, but that's not, that wasn't really empire, but you know, whatever. Um, you got to think that back when imperialization was happening on a way bigger scale and natural borders weren't really set the Catholic Church did hold a large amount of power in unification of people, and with so much support for this faith, they were able to dictate a lot of things, such as, you know, where everything was situated in space. And the with the invention of the geocentric model, they claimed that, you know, the Holy Scriptures said that the Earth was the center of everything, sort of like how... Um, dictators uh, and emperors will cl like claim like divine right uh, saying that the gods are allowing them to rule and that they are basically a representative of that um, sort of the same idea um, but basically with the geocentric model like I said earth, earth was the center and everything else orbited around it I mean and at first glance you know you can sort of see the value in this because if you just look at the night sky or even in the day you see the same things going past you over and over and over and over again which sort of leads you to think that we're the center and everything else just passes us passes around us but then it wasn't until a mathematician scientist by the name of Copernicus came up with the heliocentric theory which is way more in line with our modern interpretation of the world and uh, space and basically it showed that earth was not the center but in fact the sun was you know the big big bright thing in the sky and that everything orbited around the sun and if you think about that and just with this little tangent, my point is with the model of the planets, it's it's hard to it's hard for 
at that time when it was presented, it was hard for the church and supporters of the geocentric theory to really understand the legitimacy of the heliocentric theory because of, like I said, just observing different things with the naked eye. You know, if you even, even for something as simple as uh, the sun and the moon. The sun is, I think, 400 times further but it's also like I think it's 388 times bigger something like that so you know round that up to 400 close enough um, only 12 times you know whatever um, so in the sky they appear the same size and for people just observing they would like they would think that these things both orbit the earth not knowing the relative size of each and how close they are which explains why in the early heliocentric theories they it is described that sun is a center and the moon orbits the earth and everything else i mean look this theory has evolved to where we know that the sun is not the exact center of our solar system and in fact that it's two points which explain why the orbits are elliptical as opposed to just a full circle like if it was the, if if our orbits were a circle then we would experience the same season over and over and over and over again it would just be the same day all the time because there would be no variation in distance from the sun, so less heat and less sunlight and all that fun stuff. And with that ellipse, that's how we experience the different seasons and different uh, variations in sunlight and moonlight and all that, all that fun stuff. But we now realize that there are, in fact, two points that center, that are the center of uh, an ellipse and for our understanding one is the sun and one is just a point in space um, and they're symmetrical if you cut them down the middle but anyway my point with this whole tangent of the model of the planets is that with the church not being able to ex to accept it, it shows that even with sufficient evidence um, shown to the clergy to overturn their model of the cosmos that they they still refuse to accept it you know when people are so set about their views of a certain situation and then they become challenged and proven wrong they become angry and defensive unable to face the fact that they might actually be wrong I mean look at Copernicus and Galileo I mean they were brought in front of the clergy to testify and to denounce their beliefs and basically to say that hey I'm wrong and that this is mainly just a theory and it's not actually correct same sort of idea eventually look eventually you you might change your view and you might not but being being at that point where you become angry and defensive unable to face the fact that you're wrong you be it sort of becomes a thing where you're unable to consider any other point of view and that is the case point with this eventually they had to since the overwhelming support for the heliocentric theory can no longer be ignored but still um, 
if we want to go into another example to prove that we're not the center of the universe and you know all this all this fun tangent stuff um just the detection of cosmic radiation itself um which is just big words for energy from space um just proves that we're not the center of the universe and that there are other things out there even if we can't see them with the naked eye um and with that it seems like we're out of time i know perfect timing right but as always I know that it's a little short. I try and range these episodes from 20 to 30 minutes. It really depends on what we're talking about. And I try and keep it on the shorter side just so it's an an easy, the easiest listen possible for most people. But anyway, um, all I ask is, even though I talk about all these different subjects of inspiring and things that are, in fact, wonderful... Um, I just ask that you keep an open mind because in most of these flights I do look at two different sides to an argument regardless of what it is so like for example with time you know we talk about does it exist or does it not and all I ask is even though even if you have an opinion on it before I even start talking um, I just ask that you keep an open mind because I feel that that's how people are able to connect and stay connected as opposed to just connecting with people that are like-minded you know, it, it really creates a division when you only connect with people that are like-minded as opposed to everybody, even if you don't necessarily agree with their beliefs, regardless of what it is. But anyway, in my, in my belief, I think that unless we find a theory of everything that doesn't include time as a variable for most interactions, I think that time does exist and it, that it's essential for our understanding of reality, but it's not out of the question that it is not needed um but anyway as we fly back home you know wherever that may be for you um i just want to thank you for your support if this is your first time or if this is if you're returning for another flight um it always means the world to me and i'm really sorry but it's tough to stay on schedule with school and personal life getting in the way but just know that i'm really trying my best um, as always, you know, go show my mom support, uh, with her business, you know, it's Botox, lip injections, eyebrow lifts, etc. um, at JK Injectables, um, on Instagram, uh, all lowercase, no spaces. Also, if you hear my dogs barking in the background, no, you don't. Um, also follow me on Instagram at the IG account that could, um, all one word, uh, all lowercase. And also, I just thought the username was funny, so, um, yeah, it's just basically where I update people of new episodes and post on my story a few times of different things going on and little snippets and all that fun stuff. Uh, and as always, your support means the, means the world to me. Um, if you like this little flight, uh, definitely leave a five-star review because it just helps the pod expand and it allows for more flights, um, And with that, I hope to talk to you on the next flight. And I can't wait to see where we go next. Bye for now.